Hello and welcome. I'm Jane Midwinter and this is an HWAM podcast. Today my guest is Deb Winchester. Deb is a yoga and mindfulness teacher, currently online. She's also a dance fitness teacher, which up until the pandemic, my mother was thoroughly enjoying attending at the age of 83. And I did join in occasionally. It was hard to keep up, I have to say. Currently, Deb is also a full-time student. Deb, welcome and thank you for joining me today. Hi, Jane. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to chat to you. Deb, can we first start with your passion, your passion for fitness and for teaching? I'd really like to know more about why you do it and when this all started. Well, I, I guess I've always been one of these lucky people that um, liked exercise. So from a young age, I was, I was into the gym or classes. And then uh, not long before we moved back to England, I'm from Australia, obviously, I was worried I'd lose touch with the gym and, and that sort of thing. So my husband at the time said, why don't you train as an instructor? Um, and it was the best thing that I ever did because I, I am passionate about fitness and mobility and I have met some incredible people. So it's been a great way of connecting with the community. Mm. Um, but also it's just, it's something that I believe very much in, you know, we have, we only have one body, one life. We have to maximise our potential. So it's, it seemed natural that I would go down this route and I've tried everything and yoga and mindfulness is my thing now and a bit of dance fitness. <laughs> How long have you been doing this for? Uh, probably for well, nearly 20 years, actually. Nearly wow. 20 years now. Yeah. So we're here to hear more about uh, about that, and 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 we'll come on to um, you know those the positives that you found in all that and what helps you. But what I want to hear about now is your menopause story. You were plunged into menopause at the age of forty-two due to chemo, and you say you were completely unprepared for the huge changes to your life and confidence. Can you tell us, can you talk through that time and, and tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, of course. Well, I, um, in the prime of my fitness, uh, and whilst I was busily teaching upwards of 16, 17 classes a week, I uh, found a lump, um, just coincidentally in my breast, um, wasn't really worried, uh, but ended up going to the doctor's and to cut a very long story short, it was a very large tumour and, and grade three cancer. So I mm. had to have immediate treatment. I had a mastectomy. And then following that, as, uh, about seven months of chemotherapy and radiotherapy. So uh, it was a bit of a whirlwind, but the chemotherapy, of course, plunged me immediately into the menopause. So mm. once I managed to get back onto my feet after the surgery and the intense therapy I started to venture back into my life as an instructor and a, a pretty active and uh, sociable 42 year old okay. uh, but I was absolutely set back um, with hot flushes were the most debilitating um, symptom really and I just remember feeling so absolutely flawed and worthless and um, 
it's so much so that it was it was difficult to actually I mean I was in a role in a job where I was meant to be happy and vibrant in the, the prime of my life and yet I'd be teaching and then I would um, be in the middle of a hot flush now my hot flushes were so extreme I'm sure many can relate that you could have poached an egg on my back um, and yes. <laughs> yes I mean the temperature in the room actually raised <laughs> a good five degrees um, the color of my face changed and then I, I would just be, be dripping in perspiration so it's not a good look even in the middle of a class and um, I just felt it was like here I was trying my best to recover and to be fit and mobile and it was like somebody was just push, pushing me down this hole saying you know you look like you you look a fool you it was just horrendous and it what it i think i'm still coming to terms with how it affected my confidence uh and i think and the biggest um sort of i think the, the hardest thing one of the hardest things was that nobody i knew was going through this yeah. i was 42 um my mum was in a different country. She hadn't really suffered with the menopause, not that I could recall. I didn't know, I didn't have any friends who were going through it. Mm. I couldn't find any information on it in terms of, you know, other than the standard information. And of course I couldn't access even the herbal remedies mm. or the alternative therapies because my oncologist said, you can't go down that route. So um, it was, it was, I'd say the actual, the, the hot flushes and coping with that was more shocking in a way than the diagnosis of breast cancer. Gosh. Um, because it completely changed the way I viewed myself, the way I tried to present myself to people. Um, yeah, I just, it, I felt extremely alone. Yes, and I think that that knock of uh, confidence is a huge thing, isn't it? And, it? and it impacts our lives in every way. So, yeah. so you're feeling absolutely dreadful. You've been through all this treatment as well and the shock of that and now menopause. So I think you said um, that you, had some, you did have some um, coping mechanisms that you, that you use. What, can you tell us about that? Because if you weren't able to take any, any HRT, any um, su supplements, what did you do? What, what did help you? Well, it, it took a while. It took a, a, a couple of years, I'd say, to to realise that these hot flushes were here to stay. And my oncologist said, you know, this could be five, ten years, and then it would tack itself onto your natural menopause. Um, so, and I think in the early days, everybody knew that I had just gone through a lot of treatment, and so I was viewed as, you know, that that, that cancer survivor, if you like. Mm. But as time went on, I, and I began to present myself in situations where that nobody knew my history, I thought. I don't want to be debilitated by this, these feelings. So um, I learned very quickly that uh, layers are my best friend. Um, I have an entire wardrobe full of cardigans or zip front <laughs> tops. <laughs> yes. I, I've only just recently invested in a jumper. I think it's my first sort of jumper. And um, I began to develop little escape plans in my head. So uh, it, one of the really upsetting things was that in part of my other life, I was a professional businesswoman, if you like. And so I was often in a, in a room with businessmen and women, and I've always been one to advocate for equal footing. And so if I, I'd be in the middle of a conversation about LinkedIn or customer service or something with several people, and then the incredible 
change in body temperature would creep up. Yes. I'd go red, I'd start sweating, I'd have to get a tissue out and dab my lip. And not only that, but in the menopause made me feel nauseous and a bit panicked. Mm -hmm. um, so I began to realise, right, I've got to have tactics to get out of here. And I thought one tactic is I can say to people, look, I'm sorry, I'm in the middle of a hot flush. <laughs> and I, I didn't really feel comfortable with that in the early days because I felt mm -hmm. to me saying I'm in a hot flush meant that as a woman I'm less worthy I'm sort of this was my perception you know I think I, a lot of I'm women, less professional yeah I think a lot of women say that and they're worried that they'll be viewed as being less than or not as good as they yeah. were and it's it's not at all yeah. about that but carry on no it's not um so I began to realize, right, I've got to have tactics to escape. So I, I always had my phone on me. And if I felt a hot flush coming, I would quickly grab my phone. Oh, I'm really sorry. This is an urgent um, call from my daughter. <laughs> and I'd sort of have to leave, you know. Or a so, new client. Um, <laughs> a new client, yeah. I'm really sorry. Oh, or, yeah, exactly. I'm really, I'm so busy. I've got to leave. <laughs> yeah. But I developed a few tactics like that. Um, I, um, I, I had layers, definitely taking mm -hmm. uh, the, the cardigans off and, and, and just learning to go in, in less clothing anyway. I think that was really um, debilitating and, and, and knocked to my confidence mm. because you can't really say to a 45-year-old businessman, you know, Sorry, I'm in the middle of a hot flood. But you should or be able to. Yes. And I think now yeah. we, we can, with all the training that we're putting in yeah. place, um, so yeah. many more men are aware. And, and not just men, yeah. but, you know, other women, younger women, because, of course, as in your case, and many menopause can happen at a very young age. You yeah. said that you loved the, um, you, you have a passion for yoga. And I think you, you use breath to control um, how you're feeling. Did that help with the hot flushes? Yes, absolutely. So um, it was not long after my diagnosis that I began to study yoga seriously. And I've, I've studied a lot over the years. And during that time, pranayama or breath is, is one of the eight limbs of yoga. It's, it's the essence of yoga, if you like. And I began to realize that I, although my body physically might be trying to sabotage me and my my outward appearance I could control what I was feeling through my breath so I began to use some breathing tactics even simple things like box breathing where you breathe in for mm -hmm. four or five pause for four or five breathe out for four or five etc or simply breathing in counting and then breathing out um and sometimes that meant I would remove myself from the situation I got actually so good at it that often I could you get to know the warning signs don't mm -hmm. you yes and so I began to sort of there were times when I began to write it's coming so I would actively you know engage in some sort of breath and that definitely helped definitely mm -hmm. and the other thing I think that helped a lot with me was that in the early days I, I just didn't accept that this was happening to me it was I did here I was looking young and vibrant and fit I thought uh, I didn't want to be that person in the room you know dripping or, or fanning themselves but I didn't I wasn't ready for that um, but a part of my I think a part of the process was accepting that mm. actually this is 
part of who I am now. And whoever I'm speaking to, they can like it or lump it. Um, but I'm not going to necessarily run away or escape. And actually, it's part of my journey. It's part of who I am. And maybe I've got more to offer because of this. You yes. know, so it was and that took a long time this acceptance but um and probably i'm still working through that now but um because it is yeah, it is fluid isn't it and it, and it and things do move on and then sometimes other symptoms can can come in other symptoms go so it's that i suppose it's a sort of a, a cycle of acceptance isn't it it's, it's moving it forward with different aspects you said that you you also cut down on alcohol and caffeine um, and that, that helped. So was that a huge cut down or was that just, you know, dropping out a few glasses of wine here and there? Oh, well, that, that's, um, I could probably <laughs> write a book on my relationship with alcohol. <laughs> the funniest thing is before I was diagnosed with cancer, I, I rarely drank. I drank on the weekends and, you know, but, but if my husband opened a bottle of wine in a week, I'd say, no, thanks. I'd rather have water. Mm. And, and suddenly after cancer, I, I began to turn to alcohol. My oncologist said, if you've got a drink, make it red because it's, you know, better right. for you. So, um, so I, you know, I did. So uh, yes, I definitely red wine, probably any alcohol would increase the rate of hot flushes. Mm. So um, there's no doubt about that. And coffee, for me, there is a direct correlation. Now, I, I only have two, sometimes three coffees a day in the morning. That's all I have, black. Um, but you know, even to this day, without fail, if I have a coffee, my body temperature rises. It's a trigger. Uh, so, and I will, yeah, it's a trigger. So I know that if I'm going somewhere where I don't want to necessarily have a hot flash, um, I, it's best to avoid coffee. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's best to avoid alcohol. Um, I have to say that these days I don't care really. I'd like a glass of wine, <laughs> but it, it, there is a direct correlation, absolutely direct with with me. If you have a glass of wine at night, you're awake at four in the morning. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm. The sleeplessness. Mm. Oh God. Again, I could write a book on that. Yeah. Um, in fact, I've just had. I think now I've had four days alcohol free for no real reason other than, and you know, I'm still sleeping badly. <laughs> So what do you do about but, that? Well, um, I would say yes, to, and certainly some women I've spoken to, uh, the sleep, the interruption in sleep patterns is a massive mm. change. And it, um, it affects the, your entire day, your entire life. If you don't have enough sleep, yes. your entire sense of self, your well-being, everything goes out the window. It becomes, life becomes a struggle. Um, so sleeping, well, gosh, one of the first things I did was to get light bedclothes. I have a silk pillow case because mm. it just seems to, you know, be yeah, a little easier. I sleep lightly. Um, and I've done all the things everybody, you know, says and all the recommendations. Um, but one of my uh, little guiding lights is an app called Insight Timer. Uh -huh. and the insight timer app is free and it has hundreds of thousands of meditations on it um right. they're all free and I, ha I i listen to it every night and if i wake in the, the night which i invariably do um i will click on a meditation either a sleep one or maybe a gratitude one or um sometimes just music but because when you're awake it's the it's the internal dialogue in your head 
that then mm-hmm. begins to it's shout. <laughs> yeah, it shouts. It and it's you have your worst thoughts, don't you? Your most um, yes, yeah. The, everything's amplified. I think at night. Yes. it's very awake. odd, isn't it? And I think we all have that, don't we? And and um, I couldn't sleep a few nights ago, and I was um, things were going around around in my head. And when I woke up. I was like, what was I worrying about? It was just the, the, the solutions just, you know, slotted in. Yeah. But yeah. when we're tired and when we're trying to get to sleep, you get into quite an anxious state. So meditation yeah. and breath, again, I suppose, helps with that, doesn't it? Definitely. Deb, you went through um, an induced menopause because of of the medication you were on. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you then go through it again when you came to your sort of the average age of menopause? You were a little bit younger than that, but did you go through it again when you you hit that in a natural way? I'm still in it, I I think. I'm I'm 55 and still in it. And um, uh, yeah, I don't know you know if i will ever not not be in a menopause i can't imagine not being in it um it, it i was on tamoxifen for 10 years which they recommend now so that in itself creates menopausal symptoms mm-hmm. so even long after the chemotherapy and then etc the tamoxifen so yes i'm now in a natural menopause i think the hot flushes are lessening um Definitely, but it's the it's the other things as well: the dry skin, mm-hmm. um, thinning hair, uh, fogginess. Yeah, it's it is. It's a tricky it's a tricky age. I'm not really one to. I mean, in terms of femininity, losing my breast, and then also the, the changes in intimate relationships. You know, that sort of mm-hmm. contact and the dryness. Those, those sorts of things, I coped with a lot better. Um, I don't necessarily um, feel that this is screeching out to me, you're getting older. And possibly that's because I I had a very severe diagnosis of cancer, so I'm just grateful to be alive. But I can absolutely see how, for many women, it's, it's a time in your life where you just think, where am I? What am I worth? Uh, what will I become? Um, children often leaving my ch- children have pretty much left um and the menopause and i think the yeah the lack of sleep and the all those feelings can definitely create a, a feeling of um a feeling of instability and this wondering which is i think can be really dangerous for mental health um, mm-hmm. i am passionate about women's mental health and about feeling well i think I think we owe it to ourselves. And I've always said in this day and age, we prioritise our pensions, we prioritise owning a house or having a nice car and the family holiday. Where is the priority for our health? Mm -hmm. And that's just not physical, that's mental, emotional health. And I'm currently studying full time a master's in positive psychology and coaching psychology and at the University of East London. And that is fascinating that we're mm. studying the science of well-being and the science of happiness kind of the alignment of everything i believed in but i think it's just so critical in, in this this world we find ourselves in at the mm. moment especially particularly absolutely so you know you you're in a position where you're not able to um you know turn to 
uh, the solutions that many women are able to turn to. But there are, of course, many women like you as well who, who aren't able to, um, to address those by, you know, H, with HRT or, or, or supplements or whatever. What would you say to women like that? You know, you've been through it. Uh, we've heard some of the, the solutions that you have found in breath and in yoga. Um, what would you say were, were the key things as a sort of a, you know, this is what you can do because there, there, there are, there are some, uh, there are some solutions. It's just finding them, isn't it? Totally. And I think the, the, the number one solution that I didn't do at the time, and I've since recognized how important it is, is to be honest, to be honest with those around you, to be completely honest with your partner, with your children, with your friends. And if this is a new concept for them, you know, then explain to them and mm -hmm. say, look, this is actually a life changing event that's happening in my body right now. And, and it makes me feel this way. And, you know, I'm really sorry if, if I am changing in my moods or if I'm unhappy or if I'm not intimate or if I'm, you know, a bit fuddled <laughs> at times. I think being honest is the most important thing mm -hmm. because reaching out and saying to people, and I didn't do that in the early days. I was just so hell bent on, you know, presenting this, you know, Mrs. Happy Fit fit person and now I know I should have and I do speak honestly um, and I think part of that is, is is this mindfulness too that I've I've been studying mindfulness mindfulness is simply being aware of the present moment and and so mindfulness can be really helpful for for people women in the menopause because you're, you're not judging you're just sitting with the experiences you're sitting with what you're feeling and and that is the foundation start, stepping stone in accepting and then working out solutions for you you're not fighting it yes. simply sitting with it and um and i know that's hard in some cases you know life doesn't allow you to say to your partner or your children or your friends look i'm you know I'm really sorry if this is what I'm feeling right now, but actually life should allow you that. Mm. And if you are surrounded with, you know, positive people who support you, they'll understand. Mm. Um, so do you think I, then yeah. that, that mindfulness and that awareness and the practice of mindfulness was a turning point for you? It was a definite turning point for me. Um, because my mindfulness, as opposed to meditation, which calms my, my breath and, and tries to clear the clutter in my mind. Mindfulness is tuning into the exact moment with no judgment. And that's something I was never very good at before. Just sitting there waking up in the morning or sitting there in the evening, just saying, let me just check in. How do I feel right now? You know, okay, I've got an achy hip. I've had that achy hip for months, but actually what else is there? You know, what else am I feeling? And on a scale of one to ten, how, how am I feeling in my head? You know, do I feel irritated? Am I? Did I not get enough sleep? Um, so being aware, simply tuning in, being mindful, that allows you to then say, okay, okay, so that is how I feel, and I might tell people that at the moment this is how I feel, or I might just say to myself, one of my favourite phrases is, it's an ebb and flow day, because I believe we all 
like the tides we all ebb and flow yes, I like and when that. you're on a flow <laughs> when you're on a flow which actually is a scientific thing um we do get into the flow state and we feel motivated and inspired there are other times when we're on an ebb where we just and and sometimes mindfulness for me that means waking up and saying you know what today i don't really feel that happy motivated inspired i'm going to take care of myself i'm, I'm on an ebb day so where are you now and what are, what are your next steps well um a life is an adventure i think and um and I, one of i guess another one of the critical things that helped me was gratitude and i know this is a, a word that is bandied around a lot at the moment um and it is something that this social media people have kept cottoned onto but actually there is a lot of scientific scientific evidence that says if you do adopt a few gratitude practices it changes the way you're you think it changes the messages you're sending to yourself and and then can affect your feelings so i think gratitude i am so grateful i'm alive because even my oncologist said oh you're still here <laughs> you know so i'm so every, everything i do is sort of um tainted with that um and I also think that I have a purpose. I do have a purpose. I, I survived a disease. I've, I've, um, I'm in contact with a lot of people. And if I can make them happy or add a bit of mobility to their lives or a smile to their face, then I, I will die whenever I die feeling a, a better person. You know? mm -hmm. so, so I'm still living with menopause, but I'm accepting now. And, um, and I'm looking forward to you know, my 60s when you know life's going to get better i think <laughs> and how many years are you studying this the, the course that you're currently doing that it's called a master's in positive psychology and coaching psychology right uh and it's full time foolishly uh i've just had a <laughs> bit of a life change i'm separated now i've moved home and um so i thought right i'm going to do this and go all in so it's full time so it literally does take 35 to 45 hours a week um and i'll finish in august and at that time wow i will yeah i will continue with my yoga and my dance fitness and mindfulness but i want to go back into schools i was a teacher many years ago and also into businesses and teach well-being uh, I want to teach happiness and how to prioritize feeling happy. I want to create um, positive, happy environments. There's so many, they're called positive psychology interventions. So many little tips and tricks that, that you can actually add to your day just to elevate your sense of well-being. Could you and give us really one change. now? Yeah, okay. Okay, my favorite one would be, okay, I'll give two favorite ones. My favorite one is, it's called um, the miracle question, the miracle question. So, and I often do this with clients. So you have to close your eyes and imagine that overnight a miracle has occurred mm -hmm. and you are in your best possible scenario. You are your best possible self. You are living your ideal life not the life that your partner or your friend wants, your ideal life, write it down, go, just write it down. And then once you've written all that down, it's really quite powerful because, you know, we think, well, actually I want to have a good pension. I want to work. And, and when I retire, I'm going to do this. And when, but actually when you write it down, you think, oh my goodness, this is what I want. And so then you go back and say, right, I'm going to make this happen. 
and there are many ways you can actually start to put in little steps to make it happen. So it's that whole whole idea of, of the goal. And then my other favorite one is a mean, meaningful photos. So I've done this a lot also with my yoga people. Every day for seven days, take a photo that brings you joy of something that brings you joy. Mm-hmm. So it's not about a perfect picture. It doesn't necessarily have to be a beautiful sunset or, um, uh, you know, the perfect meal out. For, it, one of mine was my, a picture of my yoga mat Another one was a fuzzy, blurry picture of me doing a Skype call with my nephews. So I had seven days, seven photos of joy. And and I have those in a little folder on my phone. And as part of the PPI, the intervention is you, you write a little summary afterwards. But I look at those photos and it's a great way of crystallizing what's important to you. You know, because when I it came down to it, actually for me, what's important is not the house I live in or the car I drive, not that it ever was. Um, what's important is my yoga mat, because for me, moving and mobility is key. My family. Uh, another one actually was um, a black coffee with a friend. I was just having a good, so friendships as well. I love that, and I, I think that that um, that's a really um, very positive uplifting um mindful uh way of of definitely dealing and i think actually really really relevant to to women in a menopausal mm. phase of life in the 50s or mm. 60s because we often begin to realize one part of our life's phasing out but we're hooked into this next part of our life that might be our partner's dream or might be what we perceive is our destiny or was our parents dream mm. but actually does that float your boat is that what is that what you really want? Is that your you dream? Know, um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, you know, we, we have many years, you know, decades following the menopause, you know, for the, the average um, age is 51. So we've got all those years ahead of us where we want to be well and yeah. healthy and, and, and living life to the full. And I think your philosophy and your approach to life really um, helps us to visualize yes. that. So yeah. thank you so much, Deb. Um, I think I've just, I have just got one one more question for you. Um, you know, you come across as a very positive person, and you've you've been through some real challenges in life. Whenever I see you, you're smiling, and and you're always very positive and focused. There obviously have been some down times, and and you've talked about you know what picks you up when you're down. You've given us those those positives, those those solutions, but. Do you think it's just about the yoga and the mindfulness that keeps you so positive and focused? Is that your personality? Have you always been like that? It's, it's really interesting because part of the, the master's degree I'm doing is about the study of character strengths and, um, and I'm doing another mindfulness course in character strengths at the moment. And I think that is really um, a key part for me. And my top character strength is love of learning. Uh, and and so and that kind of so it explains so much in my life but when I when I am feeling down and yes there have been many um many uh mini tragedies we all have you know mini tragedies in our life when I am feeling down I think the first thing is through mindfulness I say right I acknowledge what I'm feeling I just accept this is what I'm feeling um but then secondly for me, it's planning and goals. So if I'm feeling 
really down or a bit hopeless or just sad, you know, um, then I will let it be. I will do something to indulge myself, watch, binge watch Netflix or go for a walk. I think being in nature is key. Mm. So I'll often go for a walk. And if I still can't get out of that fog, <laughs> that fog, then um, I'll start, I'll do a little plan and I'll look ahead. So I think, all right, okay, so, you know, February, right, February, end of February, we're into spring. So I'm going to start planning a spring workshop for my people, for my, my yoga classes, or I'm going to plan a mini holiday for my son and myself. Um, little goals or, you know, reaching out, looking on uh, social media. I, I love to read and there's so many positive people out there. Um, but I think really for me, it's about acceptance, acknowledging that this is a down day, you know, and knowing that it will pass. Yes. Knowing that it will pass, you know, it, it will pass. Um, and that know. helps to build resilience, doesn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing is permanent. Nothing is permanent. You know, everything changes and um, you have to trust that it will change and it, mm. it will. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking so openly and honestly with us today. It's been fascinating for me, and I know it will be for our, our listeners too. Um, Deb, I'll put your website um, underneath the podcast. So, um, but could you just tell us where to find where to find you? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, at the moment, I'm. You can contact me through www.debrawinchester.com um, on Facebook. Um, I have a group called Luminate Life. And you can contact me through there or Instagram, Deb Winchester. Uh, but through the website, you will you will get to me. And I I just want to say, especially to women who are going through any sort of um, confidence <laughs> issues, that I'm more than happy to chat and uh, or help in any way. So please don't think you've got to come to a class or book a mindfulness session. Uh, you know, I'm always open to a chat. So that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Deb, and wish you all the very best with your studies. And I look forward to hearing how you're getting on. So take care. Thank you. And bye-bye for now. Thank you, Jane. Bye.